This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, where we've got another Everton victory to talk about and uh, how happy we are to do that as well. Everton, of course, victorious on their trip to the South Coast at the weekend to take on Brighton at the Amex Stadium. Goal in the first half from Damari Gray set them on the right path before Dominic Calvert-Lewin's second half penalty secured all three points for the Blues. Of course, we've got to talk about transfer deadline day as well as we're recording. We are just about a day away from, from the deadline. So there's still a lot, of a, a lot of business for Everton to do and there's some transfer updates that we can discuss as well. I'm your host, Adam Jones, joined by Dave Prentice and Gav Buckland today. And Preno, we'll start with you and we'll start with that game on Saturday. Was that Rafa Benitez's you know, best performance as Everton manager? Well, it's only a very, very short sample size that we've had so far. But yeah, <laughs> absolutely 100%. I mean, everybody looked at the fixture list at the start of the season and said that, well, he's got an opportunity here to get off to a good start. But to me, that was undermining really, you know, so how difficult A, a trip to Leeds is and B, a trip to Brighton is. You know, so we've certainly found, you know, so neither venue, uh, particularly easy places to visit in recent years. So they were on paper, very, very tough assignments, especially Brighton, they were like 100% before the weekend. Um, and yes, it was a really good controlled performance right from the word go. Uh, you know, so two, you know, well, one was a penalty, obviously, but, you know, a very, very good goal, uh, you know, so to get the lead and then manage the game really, really well. And I think the most reassuring and heartening aspect of the whole thing was how well we defended uh, compared to recent games. It's almost like, you know, so Rafa's lessons that he's trying to get into the uh, the players are starting to take effect already. Uh, you know, because Holgate and Keane, I have to say, filled me with a little bit of, you know, apprehension, uh, you know, given how they performed this season ahead of the game. But they both played very, very well. Uh, so we shouldn't really, you know, so underestimate that. But yeah, it was. It was a really good performance from start to finish. And uh, just people are starting to take notice a little bit now, thinking, well, you know, Damari Gray is some sign, isn't he? And Rafa seems to be getting things right here already. Very, very early days, I know. We've only played three Premier League games. Let's not get too carried away. I mean, we started last season magnificently as well. But, you know, it's good. You know, we needed a good start. He's got one. And uh, he's having an effect on the squad already. Mm. Gav, I think Preno makes a good point there about the defence. You know, first clean sheet of the season. And that'll certainly be pleasing to Rafa Benitez, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, you've got to remember the challenge of Brighton perhaps is not as great as maybe he's facing Leeds, is it? Mm. Um, need to remember. Um, I was a bit disappointed with Brighton, to be honest with you. But again, that's a, um, that's a tribute how well we played. I thought we were excellent. Yeah, I mean, I think this, we're just pressing far better, aren't we? And we just look better organised throughout. And I think that's a system the defence. Um, now we'd be tracked back quickly when the opposition had broken. Um, but yeah, it was a good, uh, you know, it, you know confidence-inducing performance for both players, uh, both centre half and so on. here, which which uh, I think they needed uh, tonight. And uh, yeah, it was just it was excellent. I mean, I don't want to draw comparisons with last year's performance at Brighton, but I will, uh, which was absolutely awful, awful game. If you see the yeah. vibrancy, and you know. And the offensive sides of our game on Saturday, you're looking at two completely different teams or two completely different outlooks, aren't you, really? 
Uh, against a Brighton team who were probably stronger and filled with a bit more confidence than when we played them in April, was it? Um, mm. Yeah. So, excellent throughout. And I think that the defence uh, had the benefit of, benefit of that as well. Mm. Well, I mean, I'll stick with you, Gav. I mean, I, I chose to focus on Alan after the game because I thought he was brilliant going forward and defensively as well. Perhaps the defence benefited from having him in front of them. But, you know, in terms of attack and play, we've focused a lot on Abdoulaye Decore's increased ability to yeah. get forward and affect things in the final third. But Alan quite showed his abilities in that sense this weekend, didn't well, he? I think we're playing further up the pitch for the start, aren't we? And I don't think he's... Like, like last season, it really annoyed me. You know, when he, he dropped back between the, the centre-halves and picked the ball up and, you know, that was his game. He was just playing in front of me, which is not his you know, not his game, really. No, it's not so game. It's not so game's further up the pitch. And he, he is playing 20 yards further... 10, 20 yards further up the pitch, which means also because the core, the core is basically... Really, it's a box-to-box midfielder. Um, look far stronger in midfield. Um, and Alan showed on a couple of occasions on Saturday, you know, his, you know, his passing ability. Um, I thought, I mean, that, that, I know Gray had space to run into him. I'm not sure whether Brighton had covered them out, could have covered them that well, but it was just, just it was simple, but it was just a hugely effective pass, wasn't it? Just set up the goal, wasn't it, for, for Gray? And, mm. and the second one was, was, was a superb pass, wasn't it? Um, in between the, uh, you know, behind the, the, the left back for Coleman to run onto. And Coleman had an excellent game on, on Saturday, I thought. And Alan was, uh, yeah, Alan was, I thought Alan played really well at Leeds, but I thought he was even better on, on Saturday. The only concern I've got with that, Ad, and I, I alluded to it, just talking about the defences, if both of them play up front, if we get caught on the counter, we, we are a little bit vulnerable. We are we are reliant on both midfielders tracking back, which we which he did on Saturday. Just thinking when we play some of the better teams, perhaps you've got speed, yeah, speed uh, forwards who are more attack minds. We might have a few problems. I'm, 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 it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see. What's our first big game? Is it Man United? Is it? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting to see. If we, that sort of team plays against Man United, whether we play the same tactics mm. or whether we play something similar, say to what we expect them after to do, is something mm. to similar to what we did uh, <clears> last <throat> season, uh, where Decore and Allen both play deeper. I'll just, I'll, I'll be Rafa quite rightly is getting plaudits for for you know the um, you know the attack and style of the first four games so far. Long may continue. Benitez has been around the block a bit, being interesting to see if he. Tones that down against some of the, the bigger clubs. Mm. I think Gav makes a good point there, Preno, because I think when I've seen Everton line up in this 4 4 2 sort of formation before these last couple of games, I've thought to myself, Everton losing a body in midfield. Can the two centre midfielders really you know, keep up with the play at both ends of the pitch? But it's probably a testament to the way Rafa Benitez is training his squad. He's very hard on the, on the training pitch, he's very meticulous. Very structured, as uh, I think I saw Demardi Gray saying uh, after this Brighton game as well, and you know that it's clearly benefiting the side, isn't it? You know, Decore and Allen just look so comfortable together in that in that centre of the pitch. Did, did you, you could uh, throw another couple of players into that equation as well? I mean, who's that incredible new winger that we've signed? Uh, who came on as came on as a sub? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. The Nigerian international. I thought, wow, where's he come from? Uh, it's almost like, you know, they've, they've been given a new lease of life by being asked to do a slightly different role. And uh, is that just new manager bounce? Is it something different tactically he's doing with them? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but what you know really pleased me was that the whole attitude to the game on Saturday was quite positive. Um, it was a way of going down there and not trying to keep the game tight. I mean, four four two is quite a you know quite an ambitious you know sort of formation to play. You know, sort of away from home at a place you know like Brighton. Uh, you know, where they've got a very very you know effective midfield unit. Basuma, I love him. You know, great player. Every time you see, you, know, you see him in action, you, you think you know how good he looks. Uh, but I was quite interested to see how you know Richarlison took it upon himself to almost like you know sort of close him down and press him and have a little go and get under his skin a little bit, which was uh, which was quite good to see. Uh, but yeah, it was a very offensive formation, but the players were all still structured enough to do the job that they were asked to do. And yeah, Alan and Decorey have made great starts to the season. So Alan is expressing himself an awful lot more now. And yeah, I can only endorse what you said about those passes. I mean, the weight of the pass for that penalty was like so good and so calculated. And uh, it just, you know, so looked great to watch, really did enjoy us. So, you know, this is very, very early days still. Rafa's only been at the club five minutes. He's only, you know, so started getting these lessons across and hopefully he will continue to build on that again. And so as, you know, the weeks and the months progress and we'll continue to see improvements across the board. Uh, but, you know, what, what he said right from the word go, what he wanted to change was mentality. He said the mentality was wrong at the football club. You know, we saw last season so many times we were in a goal down and uh, struggled to get it back whenever it looked like getting it back. And yeah, you know, already he probably preferred not to have been in that position, but, you know, twice we've uh, conceded goals at difficult periods of the game in the first couple of matches and come back. That wasn't the case on Saturday. We actually managed to get ourselves into a winning position, but then built on it, you know, sort of controlled the game. Uh, from that point so yeah just all heartening stuff so far and desperately important to get a result going into an international break you know given how how delicate you know the mindset can be amongst you know the supporters about Rafa's appointment you know it's very important to go into this international break in a healthy position and we have you know so we can sit back and enjoy it for the next couple of weeks <laughs> I mean keep keeping talking about going forward Gav Tamari Gray is somebody you grab the headlines again and probably quite rightly so with his very well-taken goal, but I think Andros Townsend on the other flank was very impressive in a very different sort of way. I think his defensive ability from the front almost is has really changed Everton's mindset in those sort of games, hasn't it? Yeah, and his experience and know-how, um, you know, it counterbalances, um, you know, what we've got elsewhere. I think Townsend is, Townsend is like what I would call a good throw. And, and I know we're going to talk about the penalty thing later, but he, he you seen that there, didn't you, in that position? Uh, good pro. Really like him as a person. Really like him as a, a player. Uh, I, I don't normally like this, but he spoke well about the club on Saturday, didn't he, on, uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday, which I know supporters like to hear that. I'm not, not too fussed, but that, that was an ad about those type of things. But that was good to, good to hear. Good pro. Yeah. I, I mean... Even at Huddersfield, I thought he was poor for like 60 minutes. You know, not poor, but he was below par. But last 20 yeah. minutes, Huddersfield, the his experience came into the game. Yeah, mm. people have spoken about Gray a lot, uh, but I think uh, Townsend should get some credit for the start of the season. He just just said, going back to Benno's point, this is really good about Richarlison getting that Basuma. I mentioned that to me, mate, on, on Saturday, and he reckons whether Benitez has had a word with him before the game. Because mm. Basuma is quite, quite obviously their best player. 
mm. is whether he told to Charleston just to just to get under his skin a little bit and niggle him and distract him. It's been Charleston's top class at that, isn't he? Um, yeah. As we've seen, uh, but, but the Charleston face, he went receiving had his arm up, and the Charleston like run into his arm, <laughs> like, uh, and yeah. he was complaining that he, he'd been struck. You know, just uh, that 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 type of thing. Uh, you know, is uh, I wouldn't say good to see, but is can, can be heartening the dark arts. It's, it's the ultra ultra royal thing, isn't yeah. it, with Barry Horn? Barry discouraging. Discouraging. Yeah, that was yeah, only yeah. the same as a, a particular player that he wanted a job doing on and Barry was yeah, I, I, I think <laughs> I think that worked on, on Saturday. Yeah. Um, um but yeah, going back to Townsend, I excellent really like him at all. So I really like the sign. Good pro. Mm. And you've seen that so far this season. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We've skated around the issue long enough, and I think it's probably time that we that we bring off the penalty incident in the in the second half. In case anybody hasn't seen it, of course, Everton won a penalty thanks to Seamus Coleman being brought down by Joel Veltman, I think it was. Uh, Richarlison had ball in hand and looked adamant that he wanted to take the penalty and kicked off quite the fuss when uh, he was told by in no uncertain terms by his teammates that Dominic Calvert Lewin would be stepping up and taking the penalty. Of course, the striker then slotted away the spot kick very, uh, very convincingly, I would say. A lot of supporters have taken that opportunity to pan Richarlison a little bit for his actions. Preno, a lot of, and a few other supporters have said, well, it just shows his passion and it just shows that he wants to get on the score sheet at all times. And they've thought that it was a, it was a good thing to see. What's, what's your take on it? Well, and I, I know publicly, you know, so Rafa made that point, um, suggesting that it just indicated desire, it indicated how desperate he was to score a goal, and also the fact that there was some uncertainty because he'd been told that if there was a second penalty in the game, you know, so he would be taking that. But I'm hoping that is only a public, you know, declaration because I think privately he needs to have a, a harsh word with him because to me it is, you know, counterproductive. It puts increased pressure on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Uh, as we've seen before, the, the Kevin Morales debacle all those years ago, um, it does, it upsets people, you know, it pl- places seeds of uncertainty. I mean, penalty kicks are so important in the game now, and that was a very, very important one. Uh, we've got a man whose confidence is high at the moment, taking them and who's taken them very, very successfully. And you don't want to undermine that by causing, you know, stupid ruptures at penalty kicks and, you know, so trying to take it off him. So it was managed well. I mean, Seamus Coleman and Andros Townsend, as you said, Gav, you know, so basically, you know, dragging him away and didn't Townsend poke the ball out of his arm. So he couldn't take it. Um, I'm hoping privately Rafa's pulled him to one side and said that, look, that, that's not on. You can't be doing that. He's got to show more discipline. Um, and in the past, you know, he suffered from disciplinary, disciplinary issues. He's had a couple of, he's had a red card uh, through like losing his head a little bit. Um, so we could do without that. You know, he's, he's not a young, okay, he's young, but he's not a very young player anymore. He's still, you know, got plenty and plenty of experience and we've indulged him a little bit already, you know, by allowing him to go to the Olympic Games uh, and, you know, talk is that, you know, he needs to give a little bit back. Well, you know, you could give a little bit back by being a little bit more disciplined. I get that he's desperately keen to impress. I get he's desperate to score a goal and yeah, I like that, but not at the expense of causing uncertainty amongst your teammates. So no, I mean, it, it was out of order for me and I hope that the managers had a quiet word with them and that's it, then, you know, move on. And then, you know, so if, you know, the day comes where Calvert-Lewin does miss one, well, okay, fine, you can step into the breach then. But until then, it's not on me, I'm sorry. Mm. 
he seemed fairly apologetic in the immediate aftermath. I thought he went over to Calvert-Lewin during the celebrations and it looked like he was maybe apologising because Calvert-Lewin looks like he's saying to him, it's all right, it's all right, that kind of thing. But he was still very frustrated on the final whistle, kicking a bottle right in front of the dugout, right in front of where me and Phil were sat as well. But Gav, what what was your take on it? I mean, I suppose as the manager says, it does show that sort of passion and desire, but there's got to be a line drawn, surely, hasn't there? I only stepped across it quite clearly, didn't he? Mm. Um, is it not for the first time? Wasn't there something similar last season? Mm. One, one penalty last... There was, there was a penalty last year where... There's, there's definitely been one, another one. I've meant to look it up, but there's definitely been another time when it's happened. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's it, You know, we had Damare Gray doing this Kevin Morales impression circa 2012 in the first half. Yeah. You know, Richarlison doing Kevin Morales 2016 in the second <laughs> half, didn't you, really? Um, yeah, I, I, I get the, the show and the determination and, you know, uh, will to win and all that, but it was pe- petulant. I'm just thankful that it happened in front of our spectators and not theirs, actually. Because um, mm-hmm. he'd been wound up a couple of times by their fans as well, hadn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, he, he was obviously... I wouldn't say burning in the short fuse. He just he was just frustrated, wasn't he? Uh, and thankfully, it, it all it all ended well. But whether Cavaloon had been saying, you know, it's all right, don't worry about it. If Cavaloon had this box kick saved by the keeper or roughed his lines or whatever, might be mm. a different thing, mightn't it? And it was uh, it was hard because there's there's been times in the past, and it's definitely happened before. You know, like where we look for leadership on and like that's why it was good to see towns and come over to him he said you're not doing this just punch the ball out of his hand which is which i know you don't really want to see that but that was good to, at least somebody's doing that uh yeah it was it was petulant wasn't it it, it looked mm. slightly immature to, to be honest with you yeah. um yeah. like somebody that his kid has had his toys <laughs> taken off him you know well, yeah. it, it, was, was, it was like that yeah, I don't think we said in this part about the need for leadership, you know, so we need players that will, yeah. you know, sort of stand up. And in the past, we've had situations where, you know, uh, petulant, you know, players have taken the ball off, you know, established penalty takers, i.e. Leighton Baines, and, you know, it, we've come to grief over because no one stood up to them. On this occasion, players did stand up to him, so it was good, you know, so it, was, it was good to yeah, see that. Yeah, you know, Even a player yeah. who's new to the football club, but he has very experienced, he's shown, like, those leadership qualities yeah, so, you know, maybe apart from just buying good players, we've also bought players with good character as well, which is good. Yeah, and that's what I say about Towns and good pro, good character. Uh, yeah. And you seen that, seen that on, on Saturday. It was all, it was probably on, on what was a, a perfect team performance, I think, and great result. It was, it was heartening to see in the second yeah. half of 2-0, four or five players running a pace towards their goal, Yeah, you know, rather than sitting back. And in that context, it was the only really sort of blemish I suppose but it, it all ended well but I'm with Pleno I'd, I'd like to think that Rafford is taking them aside and just saying you know listen son don't do that again mm. it was a penalty taken before it before he did anything else so yeah mm. it wasn't good mm. Another interesting aspect of the game I thought Preno was Everton's options from the bench only named eight subs <laughs> Rather than a potential, <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. Only eight subs out of a potential nine, and two of them were were goalkeepers. Yeah. Uh, if it, it does just kind of show that you know, with transfer deadline day coming up tomorrow, as we're recording now, if Everton still needs, still need to bring in some incomings somehow, don't they? Yeah, very much so. We're, we're very light, you know, in a number of areas, and yes, it's been well documented what areas you know, we do need to 
uh, get squad strength in. And it looks like the manager's doing all he can to try and address that in the short term, given the constraints that he's working against. But yeah, if, if ever you know anybody needed uh, a little nudge and a little reminder that we are light in areas, that the state of that bench actually reinforced it because there were there was very little you know so he could do. Uh, to you know, sort of change things dramatically. I mean, noticed it again at Huddersfield. I know that was different because he actually chose to rest players that day. Uh, but you know, he rested them because they needed rest. And Calvert Lewin's been playing with a broken toe, you know, so he couldn't play three games in a week. Uh, so you know, that, that was why he was left off the bench. But again, the the options were very, very limited. So you know, I know eyebrows are being raised again. Uh, you know, so the identities of some of the players that the manager's targeting. But he's already proved that, you know, so he's effective at bringing in players that can do a job for us. Uh, and I'm quite confident that whichever players he's targeted uh, at the moment, uh, if he can get them over the line, they, they will be equally as effective. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. A little bit of breaking news that came to us just before we started recording. Gav was the Everton of Open Talks with the potential loan signing of Ainsley Maitland-Niles from Arsenal, uh, someone who's a, a very versatile player, uh, can play yeah. in central midfield, can play on the wing, can play at right back as well. Although I think he has spoken in the past that he doesn't necessarily like playing as a right back. But you know, you'd you'd presume that if Everton are trying to sign him, then he would he would provide some sort of right back cover for the coming season, wouldn't he? Yeah, and well, we need to like we was lost in the conversation we had about transfers on Friday, wasn't he, when we were talking about wingers and stuff that the right back position is probably being the one that needs addressing the most mm-hmm. um, just don't know what that means for John Joe Kenny by the way um, yeah you know um, yeah I think Patterson's still on is it Rangers the Rangers guy mm-hmm. still on on the yeah, Rangers have another bid another bid turned yeah. down for Nathan Patterson 8 million turned down so it'll be interesting to see if Everton Dip the toes back into that one again before the before yeah, the deadline. Yeah, and and for how much? Um, yeah, yeah. So I think you know what I think. She- Seamus is obviously early doors and in the season, so can't say he's going to play every game. But would you would you rather have a loan and a permanent signing at this stage? Given maybe might be able to send him elsewhere. Mm. You know, and uh, I think we could get away with a loan at right back at the moment if we could do a job there. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, and use, and use what cash we've got for, for getting, you know, assistance, getting quality elsewhere. But yeah, it needs it needs a lesson. I mean, but saying that though, I mean, I thought we spoke well beforehand, but you know, it didn't matter if you got eight subs on the bench if you got a Wolby on the bench on there. <laughs> you didn't really. And, and the other thing as well, it's got gone on notice. I think a little bit at Huddersfield and again on Saturday. I think Gomez looks mm-hmm. already like yeah. a player. Yeah. Who Benitez has had a but Benitez will obviously have a lot of empathy with him and a lot of you know it will know his game inside out and I think Gomez when he's come on in both games has looked hugely effective even though mm. you know and I thought oh Huddersfield yeah all right but on Saturday and he's one who he, has he lost half a stone he looks Gomez, fitter doesn't he he, he, he does. looks a lot fitter and a lot, and a lot slimmer than maybe uh, he has done since his injury. And I'm just wondering, like, uh, it will be, you know, that he will be somebody who benefit from when he says his attention to detail and um, sort of being firmer in the management instructions on how they want to want to play. 
And uh, I thought Gomez was was hugely effective when he came on mm. on Saturday. Okay. So we're talking about the bench. The, 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 ironically enough, the, the subs that did come on, like Huddersfield, uh, did um, you know? I won't say change the game, but it helped us preserve our, the initiative that we would uh, developed in the opening seventy minutes or so. Mm. Well, it's interesting, Brenner, that Gav talks about Gomez there because I think. He's right, Gomez has looked pretty promising in his last two sub-appearances. Uh, Fabian Delph is somebody that Rafa Benitez admitted earlier in the window he was ready to talk about his future, but he's happy with the way he's trained and it seems like Fabian Delph's going to be staying at the club now. There's Tom Davis to consider in yeah. that position as well. Jean-Philippe Gabamon, who's suffering with a tooth abscess at the minute. So hopefully hopefully he'll be back uh, sooner rather than later, but he can be considered in that central midfield position as well. If you're Ainsley Maitland-Niles and your natural position is to be a central midfielder, are you looking at those options and thinking to yourself, I, I probably am going to be pushed out to right back here? It's a strange one, actually, because uh, speaking to one of our Arsenal supporting colleagues uh, before we came on air, and he was uh, telling me that you know he believes Ainsley Maitland-Niles can be an absolute top-class right back. He just doesn't want to be. Uh, he wants to be a midfielder. And so it's a strange one that, you know, presumably we are targeting him as cover, you know, sort of for Seamus Coleman. Uh, but, you know, why would you target somebody that clearly is quite reluctant to play in that role, uh, no matter how talented he may be? Seems a, a bit of a strange one, that. Um, I, personally, you know, so I think we're OK as, as far as, you know, bodies go in that particular part of the pitch in midfield. I know we've just talked about lack of options from the bench, but obviously that was because of the um, the injury situation and a tooth abscess sounds a strange one to miss a game with. I mean, as far as I was concerned, you have a tooth abscess, you go to the dentist and he takes it out and it's done. You know, it's uh, so why you would miss a match for it, I don't know. But uh, anyway, you know, so he, he has. Uh, but versatility, I suppose, maybe you know what we were saying before. You know, he wants a player that you can fill a number of roles and help him out in the short term in that respect. So I'm, I'm not going to quibble about it because, you know, so the manager will clearly know, you know, so far more about his qualities and his mindset as well, you know, so if he's targeted then. Uh, I mean, the one that does seem to be causing a little bit of an issue is the, the, the links with Salomon and Rondon at the moment. And uh, again, I've got absolutely no problem with that at all. You know, so if those links are accurate and they are trying to bring him in. Uh, I'm, I'm minded all those years ago, Gav will remember this. Uh, this is the the Arla yesterday's interlude. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Uh, with a, a Newcastle striker who, shall we say, was a little bit of a plodder back in the day, Alan Gowling. And um, uh, Gordon Lee was the Everton manager. I wanted to bring Alan Gowling from his old club, Newcastle, uh, to Goodison. And shall we say the Gladys Street, in no uncertain terms, made him very, very aware of exactly where he could stick Alan Gowling. <laughs> and, uh, whether, that, whether that influenced his, uh, his thinking, I don't know, but Alan Gowling didn't sign for Everton. But he proved to be, you know, sort of fairly effective, you know, striker elsewhere in his career. Went to Bolton, I think, and did, did quite well there. Uh, and, and he was decent, as is Rondon, you know. So, yes, he's uh, towards the tail end of his career. But he's been brought in as backup, you know, for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Or he, he's being targeted, we think, as backup for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He clearly can't play every single week. And we need somebody of a similar stature, a similar presence, you know, so we can occupy that role on the pitch. And is is. You know, goals return is okay for given the clubs he's played at. So no, I've got, I've got no problems with that. Just just have faith in the manager's knowledge of these players. 
and his ability to trust them. I mean, we know he's got an encyclopedic knowledge of, uh, of players. We know he sits there and studies, you know, so every element of a player's, you know, qualities, ins and outs. So, you know, I think he's well positioned to actually decide what the club needs and what would be a good fit for the club. So Ainsley Maitland-Niles, we know there's definite interest there. And so, yeah, if, if they're bringing her in, fine, I'm, I'm quite, quite comfortable with that. But likewise, with Rondon as well. About 30-odd hours left of the transfer window to go, Gav. Uh, I'll ask you quite a wide-ranging question. Uh, what do you... Well, yeah, you, you can you can take this however you want then. Yeah, yeah, uh, what, yeah, do you, yeah. what do you expect Everton to do before 11pm tomorrow? Um, obviously some business, ins and outs. Talking about strikers, before we came on air, I was talking to me, mate, and I was wondering how much uh, game time Cavani's going to get at Man United this season. Yeah. You know? Um and uh, that would be a nice to have, wouldn't it? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, well, well, Rafa Rafa said in the on there's a press conference Friday. It's a long time to the 31st of August, so he's obviously planning. Well, we know right back being linked with the the the, the, uh, the Diaz incest that's gone a little bit flat, hasn't it? Um, obviously a striker, but we need to go back to what I always say: we need to have players off the books to reduce the wage bill. Yeah. Who are not, you know, and listed a few of them the other week. Um, and there's two or three there, like ideally, would just like to get off the books. Um, so, income was bought, it's income, and I just don't want to see income as it's outgoing, that it's just much of the priority, so or even a bigger priority. Which mm. brings us back to Hammers, doesn't it? Yeah. Always key. Um, you know, which we've covered in depth before, so we'll need to expand on that. So it's not just incomings, it's it's the outgoings to me that are probably more important. And mm. the outcomes of players who are draining the wage, but they're not necessarily going to contribute a lot this season. Yeah, so go right back, right winger, maybe a striker. Mm. Um, that's the sort of, not, not right back, or a, a winger, wide man, not necessarily a right, a right winger, um, mm. a wide man, perhaps, and uh, a striker. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. But we need to get players off the books. And, um, and I say the Delph one's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, mm. Gomez is another player who's that's been hints that actually his time with the club might be, you know, uh, running on borrowed time. But by playing him, you know, obviously, when he says things perhaps otherwise, um, mm. yeah, so it'd be, be interesting to see what happens over the next, uh, what is it, 30 hours or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Well, we need to see some traffic in and out, mm. don't we? Yeah. I mean, speaking about that, going to Preno, could you see maybe uh, a couple of loan exits for for some younger players? I'm thinking maybe Jared Branthwaite and Anthony Gordon in particular. Yeah. Who you know, they, they, there's a lot of competition in the uh, in the positions that they that they currently occupy in the squad. It could be a good opportunity for them to get out and get some senior minutes, couldn't it? Yeah, very much so. I, I think it'll be a very lively uh, 30 hours or so. Uh, obviously, the manager wants to make a lot of changes. Uh, he showed when he, he managed to unveil his signing completely by surprise with the Andy Lonergan <laughs> thing, you know, which he was made up about himself. But, you know, so he, he got that under the radar. And okay, it was only a low-key signing, I know, but it was still a signing that was done without uh, any fanfare, you know, which is quite rare nowadays. And I think we'll, we might be taken by surprise again. You know, so one or two outgoings maybe that maybe we weren't expecting. I'm not speaking with prior knowledge. I just think that you know the way he likes to duck and dive in the transfer markets. I think he'd be trying to achieve lots at the moment. Regarding loans, yeah, those two, like you say, there's a 
very, very limited opportunity for them to appear in the first team in the, uh, in, in the near future. And so they will be better served, I think, moving on elsewhere and getting game time under the belts. Maybe Alice Sims as well. I know he's a bit different in that he's injured at the moment, and, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, hopefully he'll be fit again you know, sort of very soon. And I think that's been the problem, trying to get him out on loan. People need to prove his fitness first. Uh, but all these players, you know, sort of will benefit from getting, you know, sort of first-team football elsewhere. So hopefully that will be the case. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be very lively. I think it'll be one of those days where recent transfer windows, sometimes they've been a little bit, you know, low-key, haven't they? Because we've been led mm. to believe that we're not going to do anything this window. Uh, and you believe, you know, what's being told. You know, nowadays, the manager's made it clear he does want to do things in the transfer window. And we know he's very proactive when it comes to transfers as well. So, uh, yeah, quite looking forward to the next 30-odd hours. I think it could be quite uh, quite lively. I'm glad you're looking forward to it because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm bracing myself for what's going to be yeah. an absolutely hectic time, to be honest. Uh, that's all uh, That's all we've got time for today. Uh, we can keep up to date with all of the transfer news uh, on the Liverpool Echo tomorrow. We'll be across the site, we'll be across Facebook and across Twitter with lots of video updates, you know, stories, all the, all the latest news we'll uh, We'll have it all and we'll be back with a full podcast later in the week as well to go over what I'm sure is going to be a very, very lively end to the transfer window for Everton. Thank you, lads, for joining me and thank you for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.